0: Welcome, everybody. This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book this week. I watched a movie this week. We are doing The Secret Garden. It's had so many adaptations. A ton. So this, uh, uh, outright, this kind of feels like it's in the fad, the vein of the Disney remakes that have just kind of been churning out. This is not does not fall in that category. And because I'm not I'm not attached to the 93 film, I want to say up front, this this is a good movie. Uh, and the, what you were reading about, or at least it's a decent movie. <laughs> what you're what you're reading, the ratings that this is getting, I think there's some funny business here uh, about uh, the reaction to this. It's Blinded, I really enjoyed it, and so I'm 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 really excited to get to the meat of this thing and, yeah. and try to understand how and why, because I understand it's very different from the '93 film, and I think that that might be blinding people <laughs> from what you know, from actually coming to this with at least conscious of their own bias.
1: Yeah, I um, looked at the author Francis Hodgson Burnett mm-hmm. which if there is that name it is forever tied to The Secret Garden the book which came out in 1911 quite a long time ago it's like peanut butter and jelly her name and The Secret Garden yeah, yeah and said- they have
0: her credited right uh, like it's one of the first things The Secret Garden by her name just as big making a real big deal out of her so yeah. I I got the sense that they wanted this to be not just a, The Secret Garden but that they have an affinity for her as well the so yeah did, so. Well,
1: What puzzled me, though, as I looked into this, I saw that she, Frances, wrote more than 50 novels across the 1800s, most for adults, and her 1924 obituary makes absolutely no mention of The Secret Garden. This was just another one of the things in the shuffle she had, and we'll get into as we get into her life, the craziness that is her life and the amount of acclaim that she had for a ton of other things. And so it's odd. And I was wondering as I was looking at how is this her defining work if she had all this other stuff going on? So, and so she, yeah. this
0: is like the case of, of somebody who like had a big body at work. And after they're gone, it mm-hmm. turned into something else. Right? The, ra-
1: the random other thing, yeah. So we'll.
0: I hope as we dive
1: into her life by the end, we'll see how, from what I can tell, everything that she did and her whole life is the embodiment of this. And then it really only makes sense that this would be her defining work. And all the oh, other stuff is kind of like the struggles along the journey okay. to, to get to this. But you saw what is the most
0: recent version of this, which is the 2020 version this is a top tier movie this would have been in theaters i really enjoyed even down to the costuming we were paying attention to the detail there as she's going in and out of the garden certain things are happening this is not a cheap movie by any stretch of the imagination what you might be thinking about this i really i want to stress that whatever you might think about this movie before having seen it there is a lot of attention and detail put into this that I was not expecting I want to make it clear I was going into this dragging my feet I did not want to watch this I and, and I think that's why I'm harping on it so harshly is because I was not wanting to watch this I really really did not want to and 10 minutes in me and my fiance were going where does this go bad like we were more intrigued of like oh it's so people don't like this yeah and it's getting really bad scores it, it must take a r- hard turn somewhere and we kept waiting. And that never came. Yeah, So I just wanted that to be up front. But yeah, it's awesome. I mean, if you're even listening to this, I would suggest go check it out. uh, Because I think what's happening to it out in the press on the internet is not really accurate to to what you're going to find.
1: And the briefest of premises being that there is a girl who is now orphaned. She was spoiled. She was rich. She has to move in with her uncle in the British countryside. And she uncovers a kid there who is sickly, and the father has some issues in his backstory, and she finds this secret garden, hence the title, and it slowly starts to transform and change her and the people around her, and it is a very positive, feel-good mm-hmm. ending to it all. All the characters learn and grow and change and get out of their bad ways all of that stuff, which is why the trailer seeing- makes it feel like a Schmaltzy Disney thing.
0: Ah, uh, I didn't even I didn't even check out the trailer. <laughs> <That's> right. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, so I, the trailer, they-
1: the trailer, uh, it says from the people that did Harry Potter, and so this is David Heyman, who we talked about in our J.K. Rowling episode. Yes, yes. He's in charge of all of this. And then the writer, Jack Thorne, did the play version, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which oh, was the yes. Tony. So we talked about, so it's it's heavily imbued with that harry potter
0: production crew i didn't see fantastic beasts or any of those but the older harry potter movies uh they're pretty immaculate so that production uh value that level of production value is 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 i can't overstate it really because i was expecting something something not of the course
1: So let's talk about – because we said this has been done time and time again, but there is some central core element to Francis's yeah, life and this thing. <laughs> so I found – we're going to skip over the TV versions because there's been tons made in Britain.
0: One yeah, of, it was yeah, funny yeah. researching it. There was a lot of clutter – <laughs> to kind of clear through, which isn't always the case. It was like, hold on, no, I need the 93. 93 version is the one people like. Uh, you like. Know. There's <laughs> so many, yeah.
1: So TV, there's TV. a lot of TV versions. The only notable things for the TV versions, one of them was filmed at the Clare Castle, which is now the location for Downton Abbey. So that's what oh, made that famous, but that was a version. And then there was one that was made in the late 80s. It was a TV movie. And Colin Firth played briefly an adult oh, version of the Colin character because he and Mary form a relationship as adults as like the
0: film's epilogue. And this is one of Colin Firth's earliest films in the oh, 1980s. That is fascinating. Where he's- <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know, Colin Firth plays the uh downtrodden uncle who plays the old guy in the in the 2020 version. <laughs> that yeah. is awesome. I didn't know he
1: was connected to it. like So that. he's yeah, there at the very beginning. There was a 1919 silent film version, which is now lost to yep. history. It's in the okay. Canon so th-
0: of- this is uh, this is well <laughs> ingrained with the history of cinema. I mean, from yeah. the beginning, yeah. Um, there was it's like it hits in every
1: kind of epoch of f- at least American film history. Somewhat every British generation wants well. cracked yeah, at it. Yeah. So it's then in ni- the next one is in 1949. It's got this gal Margaret O'Brien, who plays the the main girl, and. What I found was interesting about her tying into something else that we had done, she was with Judy Garland in Meet Me in St. Louis when we talked about in our Judy Garland episode. episode. Yeah. So they were the two girls playing young girls at the time in in that movie before this. And that was where the makeup artist, Dottie Ponadel said that Judy Garland didn't need caps on her teeth and nose prosthetics and everything like that. Also tying into the Wizard of Oz. So this version, the 1949 version, they did the same shtick as they did in Wizard of Oz, where everything is in black and white, except for the Secret Garden sequences are in Technicolor. Ah, Similar to ah, how in the Wizard of Oz, they do the black and white versus color. Gorgeous, I bet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was the 1949. And then we go into 1993. Then that version, I just saw that the British Film Institute, it's in their list of one of the 50 films you should see by
0: age 14. Uh, I wanted to go back and check out the 1993 film because I know people love it. Um, And what I was able to uh, get from it um, I mean, I really, I, I, I understand. I mean, I understand people why people would love it. And again, back to our uh, Little Women episode. I loved the '93, I think it's '93 <laughs> version of that. I was actually yeah. saying, go watch that. Don't watch the new one. So, so Louisa, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Interesting now that I'm looking at it this way, I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I like the maybe I like the new one, but I saw so much in the '93 version that I, but I, I, and we'll get into it later. But I thought it was towing different lines. They're just talking mm-hmm. about some different things.
1: And if you. Love, Little Women, shout out. We have Louisa May Alcott factors into Francis's story. No, stop. (laughs) The uh, one last thing with the 93 one. So another female influence as well, the writer, Caroline Thompson, is known for writing a lot of Tim Burton stuff. So she wrote Edward Scissorhands, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Corpse Bride. Oh, man. (laughs) Which maybe fills in that that balance Uh of this is a hopeful, uplifting kid's story, but it starts quite dark and maybe even gets dark. As it goes, so like I said, promise of the premise here what is this author, Frances Hodgson Burnett's life, and how did she then get this thing that becomes, in the same vein as Little Women, a classic but not even one that people cared about? about. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, born in England in 1849, that's where she grew up. Her father, Uh, though, working class, normal person. But her father dies when she's three years old. So mm. he's leaving his wife with five kids alone. I'm sure so that they had nothing that didn't impact the writing at all. Right? <laughs> well, it's yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And this time in the 1800s, it's like, Kids being yeah. orphaned is just like yeah. a epidemic, right. as far as that. And isn't being. that at the heart of this ultimately? Right. You know, like well, a lot of it, like Charles Dickens is Oliver
0: Twist, David Copperfield. Like right. it's all. <laughs> That's it's just very like time. A, something, what was going on in that time? Children kids lost, are orphaned. scattered yeah. out to sea. Yeah. Good lord.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah Scary. So they can't make it work. When she turns fifteen years old, they have an uncle who lived in Tennessee, so they emigrate there. Mm. That is the last year of the Civil War, and the uncle that they were supposed to be with had actually lost his business and couldn't provide for them, so they oh, move away to Knoxville in Tennessee. They're having to figure it out on their own. So, oh my gosh. Maybe tying into another influence into the Secret Garden, she is living across from a family, the Burnett family, and she befriends this teenage boy there. His name is Swan Burnett. And he's got this injury from childhood, and he can't participate in physical activities, and they bond over reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's
0: a, she didn't even notice yeah so <laughs> no this is where, this is where no, uh, i yeah. only make a make a make light of it is because time after time after time we go into authors lives and we start telling their story and then we start we compare that with their with their works. yeah so the I, I don't mean to make light of anything here yeah. i just merely like here it is you know yeah. here it's it's i i love it it's beautiful Yeah. So he's going to
1: come back later as well. He's able to go off to college in Ohio, but obviously she can't do that because they're coming from nothing. So Mm. she starts writing to help earn money for the family. And this is At the time, serialized magazines are very popular. So she's publishing serialized stories are so like new, these. These
0: are newer ideas. This yeah. is like, there's some ingenuity there of like, mm-hmm. oh my, how can I do, you know, it's like their parents weren't thinking to do that exactly. It's this generation that starts mm-hmm. to at- reach, you know, those opportunities are coming about. Yeah. And it's the younger generations that usually are the ones that first to adopt. Those or it's like, what can things. I, yeah, what can I do in this country exactly. that
1: I don't yes. know? And yeah, all of that. So she starts at the age of 18 the public loved her mixture of English themes and American sensibilities. And that carries over through all of her works for quite a few years. No one knew if she was British or American. Oh, interesting. Just based on her writing alone. She never stops writing. I can't, Stress that enough throughout this whole narrative. She is continuously, like I said, she has over fifty novels, and Gosh, God knows boy. how many that
0: got serialized in magazines beforehand. Did and she do she's any? I mean, other, I assume other formats. There's some like short form stuff. There's yeah. other types of writing. and they get turned and, and into that's plays fifty yeah. novels. Like, yeah, what, what play? <laughs> exactly. You know, like good lord. Yeah. So keep that in
1: mind. That is happening throughout all of this chaos. She's making money off of these as well. So now she's twenty one years old, and her mom dies. Mm. She marries this guy Swan Burnett, who she lived next to oh, as a okay. teenager. They go move and live in Paris because her husband is studying ophthalmology. He wants to be an eye doctor, and we move, move to, to Paris. Paris. <laughs> da, 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 da. I don't. Know, they, it sounds yeah. wonderful. <laughs> they move to Paris. They swiftly have children. Um, Sounds great. As we you do in (laughs) Paris, you know. (laughs) And now she starts writing novels. So she's over the magazine thing for a bit. I love this. She's writing novels. Her first novel came out in 1876 at the age of 27. They've moved back to Washington, D.C. They've moved back to the United States. And she is a big author in D.C. And this is one of the things where it's like, oh, I had to look into this more because – It's almost lost to history. Like we know her for the Secret Garden, but her popularity is huge. She has invitations to events. There's even a case.
0: Twenty-seven. Yeah, to make a for case her, for how and that's her first novel, mm-hmm.
1: and she get like I said, she's writing she tons them, of them. I'm but, twenty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got to get going, but that makes me feel good because it's yeah.
0: like, okay, twenty-seven. I'm like, all right, I'm cool. I got some up, stuff yeah. in my bank. I'm going.
1: But just <laughs> as a as a testament to how popular and famous she is at the time, she lost a glove at a party, and then that glove was auctioned for charity. No people way. Wanted her
0: <laughs> glove. I mean, she should just show up and be like, "That's mine." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's going to make money for charity, but that 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 you get to that level, it's like writes a check for the charity, (laughs) right? (laughs) But it's like what level you have to be at at that point. We don't even think of that 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 is where she was at. So now this is in glove
0: Michael (laughs) Jackson. Yeah, somebody
1: (laughs) would would be auctioned to charity, but no, Francis's. This is who is happening. So this is the you know her career time. That's really important context. Yeah, that's really cool. It's crazy. So I, I just wanted to bring up one of the books because this affects her life later on. It's a book called Through One Administration, and the premise being it's a novel, a fictional story, but it's about Mm. the complications of marriage and political life in DC through a woman's perspective. And of course, there's thinly veiled allegories of various Mm. people and her husband and whatnot. But this whole time in her life, as we see often with young artists and people moving on, it really affected her so she put yeah. the pen down after this book and didn't write for three years. oh my gosh and they diagnosed her with nervous exhaustion but what we'd now call it would be depression uh, which seems like such an odd thing if you're at the apex but a lot of times that's what we see is people that yeah. are at the prime are like what is this all for right So three years pass her next book becomes her biggest book of all time which most people don't know about because they think the Secret garden <laughs> was her <laughs> biggest book. So this book is called Little Lord Fauntleroy, and it is a children's huh. book. It's her first foray into that realm. 1886, it is about an American boy who finds himself heir to English royalty. Oh, okay. Another sort of orphan yeah, kid still, you rags, know, rags to riches. Vein, similar vein there. It is a massive success, and it makes her the highest paid American female writer of her lifetime. Like no joke, this is the Harry Potter of its time. They have Fauntleroy merch. He was known in the book for wearing velvet collar, so they sold that. They were playing cards, chocolates. It's a rags to riches story and became a huge hit. And I didn't realize this historically, but it affected children's fashion, specifically little boys. So in the Uh book- and there's illustrations in the book as well. It's known as the Fauntleroy suit. It was well described. It became a fad for middle-class children in the way that they dress. So it's a velvet cutaway jacket, matching knee pants, fancy blouse, ruffled collar. Mm-hmm. The reason this matters is because younger boys up until this point is what they would call breaching, where little mm-hmm. kids' boys would be almost if you look at old artwork not recognizable between girls because they were all wearing dresses and skirts and almost like the nightgowny kind right. of things and if you see right. that in old stuff she is potentially the factor in causing that to go away and little boys being dressed in pants even at from the ages of 3 to 8 where before that they would have just been the same as girls now because of this book she has affected fashion and now we see toddlers not they don't wear they're not unisex the, the boys wear pants right right and how fast in large part because of her most Good popular Lord. yeah i would have never
0: book. even th- i because because uh, you say that i'm like absolutely i've seen that i've seen that in all and I, but i've never really thought about how how that changes and i would have never in it and it always seems to be the case but it comes down to a thing happened you know for real <laughs> a thing did happen and it and it shifted yeah uh, and so how fascinating that it's a, a british woman's book <laughs> and, yeah you know like in america that then makes america, exactly yeah <laughs> Be
1: like, well, we want our young boys to wear pants. So, just as some context, now that's happened. Fa- the Fauntleroy yeah. f- mania has happened. I wish I could have gotten in on the Fauntleroy. <laughs> get that merch. I am bananas about <laughs> Fauntleroy. <laughs> well, you just get a velvet cutaway jacket, and you'll be good to go. Um, I'll be just like him. There's yeah. There's uh. There's now twenty five years in between her writing this and The Secret Garden. And this is where I'd say it's kind of like the dark turn of her life and maybe where we get this darkness Mm. that comes into the story. So she's been traveling around. Like I said, she's super famous. Her gloves are being sold at auctions. like She's (laughs) living it. She actually meets Louisa May Alcott, who wrote Little Women Ah. in Boston. They know each other. Unfortunately, her marriage is failing in large part because she's over earning him and they are just very different people in terms of she's interested in spending money and doing all this stuff. And he is still struggling. She's traveling back and forth to England in the 1880s because at one point when she's in London, she realizes that there is a play being made based on her book, Fauntleroy. And this is her influence in the legal process for artwork. So there was no legal protection against adaptation. She initiated the lawsuit that helped all the English novelists protect their work being turned into something else. So there was a banquet held in her honor and the law that she helped initiate still stands today. Oh man. In England. That's (laughs) that's
0: staggering. That's Artist
1: protections. Yeah. But like I said, as far as her personal life, she's really doing well off. She's got a 17-room house in D.C. Good that luck. she paid for in cash from her own earnings, and the divide between her and her husband is growing. Not just, like I said, because of the money thing, but just they're different people yeah, fundamentally. Different, yeah, She's still in England, uh, and she gets word that her 16-year-old son in D.C. is sick, but she doesn't immediately rush back home. And the reason is because she maybe is now in a relationship with this other guy named Stephen in England, who it's up for Uh, historical debate, but they're constantly, you know, in each other's lives. And he's a companion in her helping him because he wants to be an actor and she's writing plays for him to perform in. But that's why she is potentially not going back to help her son. And at this time, she gets in what we would call like a car accident, but it's a horse and carriage accident. The whole thing overturns. She's in a coma for days. It's such a slow recovery. But she gets a letter from her husband saying Lionel, their 16-year-old son, is actually very, very sick. He definitely has tuberculosis. So she goes back, takes him to Europe, trying to get him well sets him up in a paris apartment but there's really no hope and so her son dies in her arms in 1890 oh man in paris when she goes back to the us her husband has finally moved into a house of his own and they divorce in 1898 mm. so she's just i just in this you realize she's globe trotting she has different houses like she is doing well yeah, but yeah. internally there's all this stuff going on so she sets sail for england to go back and she rents out this massive country estate called Maytham Hall. It's got tennis courts, fields, and our most important resource, gardens. So she throws herself into gardening. She says, I'm going to put all this behind me, right. get into gardening. She takes this walled garden as a study. And this is where she fiddles around with the idea of her book, The Secret Garden, but it hasn't come into full fruition yet. Gotcha. There is a situation that happens with a robin. And I know that that is a particular part of the movie. Yes. And, and the book um, as
0: well. I had mentioned that 10 minutes in, uh, we were going, oh, man, this movie is of a certain quality. Wonder what happens to it. That is that that was the bird, the bird that, that comes in and he's and, he, and it stays through the entire film. It becomes an important part and it leads her to things. But immediately when it's introduced, it was a, it is photorealistic, gorgeous. So that is a huge element of this movie. So that was based
1: on a real thing that happened with her in this garden. She sits there at her table and she's writing and there's – I found there is a great essay, which I'll post a link to, called My Robin that she wrote, which is just a beautiful mm. story in her explaining that aspect of how that came into the book. And there's this Robin that just hopped up her, and she just said she tried to hold still and feel like a Robin. And it's her kind of connecting with nature, yeah. and he would get closer and closer. As the summer goes on, eventually, it was landing on her hat, on her manuscript, Aww. on twigs next to her Aww. face. And it's just a beautiful story because you see how she is connecting with something outside of herself and yeah. trying to imagine what it is like to be a Robin and why this particular one and, and all of the, I guess, adventures in her writing and what, trying to understand what the Robin is going through
0: over the course of this summer. It's so interesting. I was just talking um, to my mom on the phone, who is a, uh, she was a dog shower. She showed Shetland sheep dogs, and she now does like minimal breeding. She like uh, breeds uh, miniature pinchers and that type of thing. And we were just talking about empathizing mm-hmm. with animals. Um, And and how some people can and some people can't. And what closes them off from being able to empathize really with an animal. Um, We were just discussing that the relationship you can grow with an animal. I mean, it's it's just like what's going on with this bird. If you can... you can get on the level somewhere if you can find some commonality yeah uh, they, they respond they're alive they're beings as well you know uh, it, it, uh, we were talking about that exact type of thing about how those relationships grow inch by inch and it's all based on on a certain trust and 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 willing to yeah. you know, to empathize a certain way so it was r- really amazing that, that 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 quality is is in there and it's very much a, a part of a part of the film as well. so mm-hmm. And it's definitely, you can see, like you said, how she's growing in understanding
1: that part of life that she potentially never had to reconcile yeah. with. Yeah. So a year later, after renting out this Maytham Hall, she and this guy, Stephen, member from back before when she yeah. was helping him, they marry. This is probably the worst thing she could ever do. It does not go well at all. Modern diagnoses would say that he was bipolar. He's oh. threatening her. He's only coming to the house now because he lives in London, oh so he's only God. coming to the to the estate for money, which is good for her because at least she's not dealing with him. But it's just a horrible, horrible God. relationship. Oh, no. She is devoting now her whole life to, alongside writing, of course, but this estate and the grounds and the gardens, she completely redid them. She's entertaining with huge parties. She sponsors fairs for kids. She's running with her skirt held up through the grass, barefoot with these kids. Like She is really investing in this place, which ties oh, in God. quite a bit to what is happening in the story.
0: It sounds like it.
1: Yeah, man. (laughs) She publishes a book called The Shuttle at this time, and it is very much about her marriage to Stephen. So it it Mm. centers around the idea, which was common at the time of transatlantic marriages, and this one centers around an American heiress and an impoverished English nobility, but it's that back and forth, and you can see she's been doing that back and forth for a while. It's probably her darkest book. It's got abuse, rapes, but also strong women overcoming oh bullying God. husbands, it was the fourth best-selling book of that year. Oh, man. That's what I'm saying. It's just crazy how she Jeez. rocks it in her A life. juggernaut. <laughs> and still, none of this stuff we remember her for. No. <laughs> oh, no, um,
0: my gosh.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, she hasn't
0: even written the thing yet. <laughs> Yeah.
1: It's insane. Uh, so another downturn, like I said, this is part of the, all of this tragedy. She gets ill. At this point, though, she's divorced oh, Stephen. It's over. She's in America for two years in poor health. She's able to go back to Maytham for a little bit, but not much. And uh, the owner of Maytham is thinking of selling it all. This is also where in the Robin story, she so- kind of says her last goodbye to the Robin because she knows Robins don't live that long. And mm-hmm. in the winter and past, she's like, I might never see it again. Mm-hmm. So that's a very mm-hmm. touching moment. Aww. She still continues to rent the Maytham property, but she can't be the one to buy it out. So now Mm -hmm. she has to sell all her furniture and she's deciding, okay, I'm going to move closer to my other son who is still living, who lives in New York. So now this is 1907. She is a 58-year-old woman. If you can imagine it, there she is, very successful author, Mm -hmm. but she's living close to her adult son and his family, but she has two ended marriages and the loss of her first son and this estate that she loved, which she can't upkeep Um, anymore. So what she decides to do, she gets a house next to her son. There, she creates gardens all around the house, thinking mm-hmm. about for the now the second time in her life, the magical healing of gardens yes. through yes. phases of her life. So that in Long Island is where she finishes up and publishes The Secret Garden in 1911. Ah, uh, I see. It was, And I thought this was crazy going back to her roots at the very beginning. It was first published in a magazine for adults across 10 issues. So it was serialized. Oh, in short oh, form. Okay. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: Okay, cool.
1: But that's what makes it sort of odd is because it was in a magazine for adults. So it yeah. was confusing of like, well, this is about kids, but is it f- is it a story for kids or adults? It was almost like a mismarketed odd mm-hmm. thing. But then the novel comes out. She continues to write, so she wrote seven more books before she died in 1924. Oh, okay. And that's leading into how did this not get noticed? Like I said, it was just not well received at the time. There was a bunch of other stuff that yeah. she was known
0: for Probably a bit, a bit of ahead of its time, I would guess, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of genre. And because and, and, it threads a needle of well, it's about children, but it's really talking about adult themes, too. So I would guess that that would be a little bit. Hmm, people might not understand where how to put that word. That's OK. What am I? So that makes sense. Yeah. To a, to a degree.
1: And really. We can only imagine the reason it got continued is because parents who loved it passed it along to their children who passed it along Mm -hmm. to their children. Right. One of the bringing it out of a slumber moments was in 1949, the same year that that movie came out. There was a new edition that came out with illustrations that were great. And then all of these other famous children's book authors and illustrators also wanted to do it. So there was the guy who did the classic Winnie the Pooh illustrations, did a version Uh, of this book with his illustrations, and it became a staple in children's libraries. And then, and this is the crazy thing that I didn't know, the copyright ran out in 1986. So it's in the public domain. So you could make a Secret Garden adaptation if you wanted.
0: I see. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. That's good to note then. Yeah. Okay.
1: So that's then where the 93 one comes in because they didn't have to pay anything for it.
0: Didn't have to, hey, well, we could just screw around and do this. Yeah. And it just, <laughs> no, yeah. I, that, that's important because, I mean, again, another distinction just from the new one is like it is not one of the Disney remake. Trash junk movies that seem to just be rolling out, right? Um, yeah, and bringing it all together
1: as far as kind of the the message, the legacy, like we can see, hopefully, from her life after looking through it all. Like, what a crazy yeah. journey to get to! This is what heals me. Interesting... This is what helps me. Yeah. This is this is the belief. And I yeah, I saw a quote from her because she was, like you said, maybe it was ahead of its time. It's interesting that you brought that up because there's a quote from her that she was known potentially for being a Christian scientist, which very much revolves around the power of prayer for healing, mm-hmm, um, various mm-hmm. other things. But she said, quote, I am not a Christian scientist. I am not an advocate of new thought. I am not a disciple of the yogi. I am not a Buddhist. I am not a Muslim. I am not a follower of Confucius, yet I am all of these things. Uh, which I think that that is really what the ending and the culmination of it all is. It is the combination of these elements because there is some of that traditional Christian belief in the book where they say the doxology praise God from whom all blessings flow. But then there's also the self healing of doing it on your own.
0: This and that that's where we finally arrived. at. That's where I feel like the 93 film really rests its themes on is Uh, The personal responsibility, the hard work, the emotional work it takes to get over trauma, and it starts with you planning those scenes. Literally, the girl helps grow the garden in that film, Mm -hmm. um, is actually building it and making it better herself. And so very much thematically, it's resting on that of like, it takes exercising some muscles to grow some muscles. That's really, yeah. I think, what that, what that movie is working towards. And I found the new movie to be saying different things just a, a bit about people who are so closed off, they need to be reminded there is a whole world out there. Um, that's where I would draw the distinction. Really. What,
1: is the, what does the new one bring
0: that you think is different? Uh, when I'm watching it, all of the characters are completely cut off. Uh, and there's no other reality for them there. No, it is this way. And that is the way I will have it. hold on. She needs to be taught that it still does take a little bit of hard work on your own. So that's still rooted in there to a bit, but then she very much discovers something totally different and it brightens her up. It opens up her world. And Mm -hmm. very quickly, she is now on a page of there's more out there. There's more stuff out there. In fact, and then she grows very, uh, attached to the garden before she starts really seeing and bringing more people in and expanding it. And that was something I wanted to bring up just a second ago, is I thought it was so interesting um, that she has to say goodbye. The author has to say goodbye to her beautiful estate and her Robin and move (laughs) um, because so much of what I'm getting in the first act of the new film, I'm getting this huge, huge childhood anxiety that I've not had since being a child and being powerless about what happens to me is I am totally a ship at sea and I have found a place of comfort. Mm -hmm. And now there is another source pulling me away from it. I might lose it because I don't hold the power here. So the first act of the film does a good job of breaking this really hardened, stringent uh, emotionally cut off child into this one that you start to really care for because she's starting to open up herself and realize there are other things and then somebody else is trying to take that away.
1: Yeah, and um, I think that
0: that's why this is so
1: revered is because the garden does fit in as the metaphor in no matter
0: what different variations you wanna put it through. Just to further on, on, and that's just with her, but with the boy and with the uh, uncle, They don't see the magic until they see it, until (laughs) they actually go and experience it, and it has to happen for them. They're not able to do the little bits that... That maybe she was she was doing in the first act. Yeah, that's why I say I think the 93 film as far as these personal themes, it is a bit more complex, a bit more meaty about what it takes to get there. And this film is more about helping show people that there is there is more to life after a traumatic event. There is another world out there and you can build a new life every day. That's amazing because I have the last thing that she wrote so
1: this is actually a posthumous essay that was published in a magazine and it was the title of the essay was called in the garden but the last words of this essay were as long as you have a garden you have a future and as long as you have a future you are alive yes and i think that yes. speaks perfectly to what you're saying as for maybe that's even what oh, this man. new movie does more than the other one but it's all
0: to, I was you know. getting some clues that they were looking at. And I, and I don't have the I don't have the facts to back this up, but I get the sense that they were looking past just the text of the book and looking into her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, really, what I'm what I feel here is that they really do appreciate this material and they appreciate her in particular. And that's uh, what and was what so it yeah. Took to make this, the, make this on uh, the book itself. What it, what it took from her life to actually get this out there. And that, I think yeah. they had a great affinity for that.
1: Yeah. So hopefully you learned something about a woman, Frances Hodgson Burnett, that you knew nothing about. I definitely didn't know anything about it. And no, it was uh, that was magical. incredible.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. thank you Taylor. Thank you so much. This is fantastic. Yeah. If you guys, have, I mean, I really, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, it's not the best movie in the world. Don't get me wrong. Like it, don't, it, <laughs> after we uh, just yeah, vamped I, it for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to win like picture I just it is if you're if you're clicking on this and you've been interested by the author if nothing else uh, this is worth checking out on its own it's just got a little bit of a different angle on there Uh, so thank you guys for coming along on this journey we'll get into something else next week Uh, hit us up at illiterate pod if you've got any suggestions what are you what are you reading what are you uh, what are you watching what are you excited for get in contact with us we're always wanting to hear that stuff
1: at illiterate pod on Instagram and we will catch you all next week i